Hi, everybody. I'm Steve Kenyon. Welcome to the Steve Kenyon Podcast. It is nice to have you with us. Got a fun show coming up. You'll hear from barrel racers Haley Kinzel and Halen Lide. They're from Texas. They just split the rodeo in Denver, the National Western Stock Show and Rodeo. Bareback rider Garrett Shadbolt, the champion in Denver. And uh, like Haley Kinzel, red hot in Fort Worth. We will talk to Garrett. He's number one in the PRCA's world standings after winning over $12,000 in Denver. Our featured interview this week, Pete Carr of the Pete Carr Pro Rodeo Company, who is being inducted along with his two-time world champion bucking horse, Dirty Jacket, into the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame later on this spring. We'll talk to Pete Carr coming up in just a few minutes. Let's start by taking you to Denver in the National Western Stock Show and Rodeo, where Garrett Shadbolt, 86 and a half in the championship round, beat Bradley Miller, the young gun from Huntsville, Texas, by half a point and won the National Western. Back-to-back titles for Shadbolt. I asked him if Denver is one of his favorite rodeos. Dumb question. Here's the answer. Yeah, it's moving right up that list pretty fast. (laughs) I believe it. Uh, This year you were 86 in the semifinals on Saturday. Came back and were 86 and a half on Sunday, if I remember right, a pair of survey horses. Tell me about the Sunday afternoon championship round. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, the night before, a guy always kind of thinks about what he'd like to get on. Um, and our dream machine was really <laughs> the one I wanted to get on. Although I knew, um, I was 88 on, um, angel eyes or no, ah, uh, ain't no angel earlier in the week. Yeah. And I was pretty sure they were going to have that horse out again. And I was kind of thinking, no, that horse could be maybe be better, but I'd already been on him once that week. So. You know, but it doesn't really matter. Anyway, Dream Machine is what came to mind, and that's what I ended up drawing the next day. And uh, she she's an awesome, awesome horse. Really cool to get on. I did a little uh, bit of rough math. You won about $12,000. Um, talk about kickstarting your year. That's a good way to kickstart it, I think, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a lot of, you know, just a lot of the momentum you pick up from Denver. Uh, but gosh, yeah, you know, it's one thing to win it, to win the short round, but, uh, gosh, I, I want to pile out of there. You know, I, I won, won the second round or split the win in the second round, won my semifinals and won, won my finals set too. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the cards were dealt to me just right, but, uh, definitely <laughs> got out of there with quite a chunk of change. <laughs> that 86 in the semifinals was one of your lowest scores in Denver, I think, isn't it? That's always a good thing, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like eighty-one on my very on oh, my got first it. okay first round. That was my low score, and I think I made a mistake in that ride, which cost me a little bit. But um, uh, I other than that, I think I I kind of polished her up, and and uh, I guess personally, I was particularly happy with my ride on um, Ain't No Angel in. Uh, in the second round, I was 88, and that horse is um, quite a handful, really. Bucks hard, um, came around there. But the whole thing was just surreal, you know, the right horses, and um, <laughs> it worked out good. For those of us who've never ridden a bucking horse for a living, um, when you're making an 88, 89-point ride, when you're flirting with 90, as the ride is going on, in the back of your mind, is there something that says, yeah, this is going to be really good, or do you have time to think about that? Uh, it depends. Uh, depends on the horse. Depends on the ride. Uh, I definitely have 
am thinking about that, you know. Um, sometimes it can feel really bad and you end up being a lot of points. Yeah. Uh, on Dream Machine, that horse ran for a few jumps and my perception of time while I'm riding is somewhat warped, you know. Uh, seems longer than it is. And to me, I was I was nervous that that horse had ran for a long time. It felt like quite a few jumps. And I was like, really trying to spur and get her going and then when she started bucking there in that circle i mean i was thinking you got to show off you got to show off dress this up uh you know get that 24 point spur ride going bareback rider garrett chadbolt missed the wrangler national finals rodeo last year broke his leg last summer been to the nfr twice 2021 2022 he is number one right now in the world standings and he continued that hot streak in fort worth in bracket number three he was 88 to win the night on night number one 85 and a half second on night number two of his bracket that's 3500 dollars chadbolt headed to the semifinals at the fort worth stock show and rodeo there was a tie in the barrel race at the rodeo in denver and you know there there was a lot said about setting arena records at the National Western. Well, they actually shrunk the barrel pattern just a little bit, and you give great horses a chance to run on a little bit smaller pattern. They're going to go fast. Halen Lied from Texas, who'd like to get to her first National Finals rodeo, and Haley Kinzel from Texas, who is of course the four-time world champion, split the rodeo in Denver pair of 1473s in the championship round. I talked to both Halen Line and Haley Kinzel. Haley broke a little bit of news. She talked about her great horse sister being hurt prior to last December's Wrangler National Finals rodeo. No different, really. I'm, I think they every time they reset an arena in a setup like that that is temporary, it's going to change by a, probably a foot or at least a few inches every year. So not surprised it was different, but it felt the same as far as the coming from the left side, the way that the alley is to the left of the buck and shoot. So you are running uh, almost across the arena to the first barrel, and your second barrel, if you go into the left, is about straight out in front of you. Um, it is centered to the alley, though, so it's crooked. Of course, the third barrel is kind of back there in the corner. Um, makes a great deal for me and sis because she likes to run kind of straight off that third barrel. So running out is a really straight shot um, for us. So, um, yeah, it's it feels um, funny when you're looking at it, when you first get started. When you're in the pattern, everything feels pretty normal, though. Um, I am, I, I don't care if they shortened it just a little tiny bit. It sounds to me like several horses really fired, including your yellow mare. They did. I, it was one of those things when the ground's good multiple times in a row and those horses get confident and then they just start running in there harder and burying up. And mine felt it in practice that morning and liked it. So when I asked her to go in that first round and she ran that six, she was just, you know, ready to throw down. She was comfortable and confident in it. So that was exciting to see, even though even in the short round, they still ran 12 of us um, without a drag. It, it pretty well held. They do hand rake, which is a good gesture, and it helps a little, but it also kind of just fills in holes. So um, not a big change to me if they were to hand rake or not. Um, we'd rather see a tractor drag. I think that would improve it even more. I think you'd see records broken beyond what we were able to run this week on that set of a pattern. So uh, that would be the only improvement I could see. But overall, it was so much better than in years past. Horses were really happy to be there. You split the short round. It's a it's a uh, 
uh, winner-take-all championship round, if you will, in Denver. You were 1473. Halen Lied was 1473. So you just talked about 12 with handrakes but not a tractor drag. Where were you and Halen on the ground? I talked to her earlier today, and I didn't get a chance to ask her that question. Uh, were you top, bottom, middle? Where were you? Did it matter? Obviously, it didn't matter. It didn't seem to make a huge difference, but it did feel heavy by the time I went. I was ninth out. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to be 12th, uh, personally. I don't think they had as great of a chance. I think Halen was fourth or fifth. She was in those first five because she was at least a few ahead of me. Um, so, yeah, we were a little bit spread out. I do think it was fairly even up to that point. Yeah. Um, sister sounds to me like she really felt good. The NFR – did not go the way that any of us would have liked for it to go. And, and I'm sure the way that you wanted it to go. Uh, uh, what did you do after the national finals rodeo? Did you give her some time off? Did you take her to get looked at? What'd you do with her? No. So actually she had had uh, three months off before the NFR that I did not plan on uh, the week before that deal in Sioux Falls, the big tour finale right. thing in September, which I was planning to take to, she kicked the pipe fence and cracked her split bone. And uh, it didn't displace, which was great because we didn't have to remove it. But she was on stall rest from about uh, end of September to November 1st. And about November 5th, I finally was able to get back on her. Up until that point, I was hand walking her once a day. And by that point, we knew that the bone was stable. It wasn't going to displace, so we weren't going to cause a bigger problem. But um, I've said it before, she gets fat. <laughs> and by fat, I mean soft, um, she doesn't do well with time off. I've never given her time off, never been off her back more than maybe a week after yeah. the final. So that it was pretty extreme. And I felt like I had her fit to make runs in Vegas, but not ready to win. And it's hard to say because you go in, I, I knew my horse was happy. I knew she was sound. Um, I will say the first round was like a kiss of death for us. That was when the ground wasn't so great. Understandably so. It takes them a while to settle it in. And normally, I don't think it would have bothered her. But she slipped going into the first barrel. And she nearly hit her butt on the ground that first round. And it's like her confidence was kind of shot. You know, that was the first run we'd made in solid three-plus months. And I couldn't make a run beforehand. She didn't feel comfortable necessarily to go on after that i mean she did better and better and better and by the end was great like it was like by round 10 she was ready for 10 more because i felt like one physically she was finally working out her kinks but two just mentally she was confident like oh my leg's gonna hold me and the ground's gonna hold me and oh i know how to turn on this so after the nfr to answer your question i didn't get off her at all i i didn't get on her for the first couple days I got home because I was sick. I was really sick. But um, since she had had so much time off in the fall and because I knew she was sound and just needed to get in chiseled up fighting shape, I got back on her way sooner run-wise than I normally do. Usually I would wait till Fort Worth if we've made 10 runs in Vegas. But because we only made eight, thanks to Spatch taking care of us for two of those rounds, yeah. and because I knew she was fresh and needing some runs i entered odessa and denver on her so that's kind of where why i even went there um she was ready to go to work i wish she was that ready back around december 1st but we don't get to control those Haley Kinzel said she had not been to Denver as part of her regular routine. Halen Lied, with whom she split the barrel race in Denver, said this was her first trip to Denver. So Halen's batting a thousand. She split the short round with Haley with a 
time of 1473, we talked to Halen about her great horse called Keeper. It's my first trip to Denver, so clean slate. Wow. Uh, so you're batting a 1,000. Yeah, I like it. Uh, what's the setup like in Denver? There was a lot of discussion about they set new arena records, but they also shortened the pattern a little bit. So, yeah, they were the fastest times running Denver. But what's the setup like in there? What's it? What's what's running in the Denver Coliseum like? Um, it's a little bit different because of the way the alley is set. The arena on TV, I felt like it looked normal, and then I got there and saw that it is uh, it's off-center, but it's centered to the alley, so it doesn't make it – as challenging as as I thought it could be, uh, it the alley is real short and wide, so I don't know. You could see it on the Cowboy Channel, but Keeper came from way back because holding him all the way up there was not working. <laughs> but uh, but it was it's not a bad setup. But I go in for practice every day. Um, how much time do you get to go in at rodeos like that? And and what tell me about rodeos like that one? Um, this time of year is different because you're not going from rodeo to rodeo. You you make runs in Denver over a, a week or 10-day period. What's all that like for, for a contestant? I was lucky, and for myself anyways, and I, um, I asked for and I drew up on Friday. So I made my two runs on Friday and then qualified back to Saturday and then Sunday. So I wasn't there a super long time. And I also didn't have to go and then come back home. Um, the fact that they offer practice, I absolutely love and try to always take advantage of. It's not that way at every rodeo, but if you can get your horse in the arena, it always helps me to feel the ground and know, have an idea about where the barrels are. I, uh, I, I send a lot of messages out to barrel racers when I'm announcing a rodeo, just asking them to tell me about their horses and, and a little bit about themselves. And I found one from you last year at the end of July or beginning of August. We were in Castle Rock, Colorado together. And your note about your horse was, we call him Keeper because when my husband started him as a two-year-old, he told me he was a keeper. He's 11 this year. Apparently your husband was right. He was right. And now he's 12. Um, yeah, he's, he's just been phenomenal since the, from the start, always confident. Um, way more confident than I am, and so we just ride on that. Tell me about his bloodlines and his breeding and all that. Uh, he's out of a mare that I had that I rodeoed on a little bit in high school and then in college, and she got hurt. She was a Jet Smooth and Rios mare, mm -hmm. and um, then he's by JL Dash to Heaven. Oh. Well, there you go. National Finals Rodeo Stallion. Um, we've, we've, yeah. I, I used to, Jed Little was one of my sponsors for a long time. I love JL Dash to Heaven. Um, that, that horse is, is special. Absolutely. And he's, I, I think he's changed the barrel racing industry. I mean, he just makes amazing babies. <laughs> Those yeah. horses are all great. Barrel racer Halen lied. She split the rodeo in Denver with Haley Kinzel. She'll be in Fort Worth this weekend. Uh, you can find the complete video of all those interviews if you go to our 8 Seconds Media YouTube channel. Just go to 8secondsmedia.com, and uh, you can. Uh, we'll take you right there. Just click on the media link, and uh, we'll take you right there, and you can watch everything that uh, Garrett and Haley and Halen all had to say. Our featured interview of the week is with Pete Carr of Pete Carr Pro Rodeos. Pete Carr has been inducted into the Texas 
Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame, and it's kind of a special year for him because that induction also includes his great horse, Dirty Jacket, the two-time bareback horse of the year in the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association. Pete Carr joins us on the other side of this timeout. Thank you for joining us for the Steve Kenyon Podcast. Hey, y'all, this is Cody Johnson. When I was starting out in music, most every radio station and venue I went to told me no. At that point, you got two options, tuck tail and quit or buckle down and fight. Well, I'm a fighter, not a quitter. And that's why I wear Wrangler jeans and shirts. Their toughness and style are legendary. They're an iconic symbol of the West, and there's no quit in them either. Life's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And if I'm going to enjoy the ride, I'm riding in Wrangler. Wrangler, long live Cowboys. New styles join our time-tested Justin Bent Rail collection. Like the rugged men and women who wear them, these boots stand for quality, integrity, tradition, and hard work. Straight from our legendary El Paso factory, our expert bootmakers build these boots with features that would make even the earliest cowboys proud. Outfit yourself today with a Bent Rail collection by Justin. There's no pretending to being a cowboy. Either you are or you aren't. Which is why everything we do as a company improves or preserves this way of life. The romance, the honesty, the toughness, the craft. More cowboys, please. America could use them. Resist all. We live it every Steve Canyon Podcast is being presented by Unbeatable Feeds. Find a location near you online at unbeatablefeeds.com. And by M2 Ranch Jerky, coming this spring to a store near you. Thank you for joining us. Pete Carr of Pete Carr Pro Rodeo Company has been nominated multiple times as PRCA Stock Contractor of the Year, has owned Bucking Horses of the Year, Horses Like Dirty Jacket. This year, his Bull Bayou Bengal was the Bucking Bull of the Year in uh, the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association. Pete has just been notified that he is going to be inducted later this year in the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. It's kind of a big deal to him because he's going into that Hall of Fame, and so is Dirty Jacket. Pete Carr is our featured interview on the Steve Kenyon podcast. It's a, it's always a pleasure. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me this morning. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. The Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame has announced its class of inductees, and uh, Pete Carr is one of those inductees. The bio that the Texas Cow- Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame printed. After he quit riding bucking horses, Pete Carr still had an itch for rodeo, scratching it by establishing Pete Carr Pro Rodeo in 2005. Since then, he's had dozens of animals selected to the NFR, four of which have been uh, Bareback Horse of the Year, Real Deal, Big Tex, Deuces Night, and Dirty Jacket twice, has had on multiple occasions the most NFR stock, and is a 13-time nominee for the PRCA Stock Contractor of the Year Award. Pete, that bio started by saying you scratch your itch for rodeo by starting a stock contracting company. Uh, that itch got pretty well scratched, I think, didn't it? Well, you know, I, I grew up, uh, you know, want, wanting to rodeo and wanting to be a cowboy and trying to go to rodeos and all that type of stuff, so... You, you naturally gravitate towards that when you kind of slow down because everybody, all your relationships, everybody you've ever met, everything you're used to doing, traveling, going to other towns, going out, you don't really know anybody around your town where you live because you're always yeah. gone. I, so, I understand uh, that. Yeah. 
it was natural for me to want to stay involved in rodeo because that's where all my closest friends in the world were. So, um, you know, that was the only thing I could think of. Uh, I wasn't, you know, talented enough to do anything else. So, um, you know, the rodeo company side was very appealing to me at that point. You are, you're in, you're at, you're in the you're in the building business. You do a lot of commercial construction, right? Am I right in saying that? We do, we do. We're a commercial general contractor. We've been in business almost thirty years in Dallas Fort Worth area and do projects all over the United States. So you actually started that business while you were still competing. You know, I was uh, I was shutting it down. You know, I could see the end. I was getting to where I was going to the Saturday night rodeos, and it, it you know it was coming to an end. And I was in my, you know, early 30s, you know, probably 32, 33 range. Um, so I've, I've had enough injuries and, uh, you know, it, it was time to kind of start focusing on the next chapter. Pete, I'm always interested in history and I've never really asked you a lot about this, but how did you start your business? And I'm asking in terms, how did you start Pete Carpro Rodeos in terms of, did you have some mares and some stallions and start raising horses did you go out and buy a bunch of horses what impact did that first group of horses have on your business today well you know several questions there yeah that's a lot of questions sorry i I usually try to limit it to one at a shot i think i just threw three at you but go ahead yeah no worries uh so the first the first uh you know I, i started buying horses and bulls as i was in early years my construction company to help uh, Scotty Lovelace, he, he had a rodeo company, Classic Pro Rodeo. We were buddies. We rodeoed together. So I was kind of the the guy that would go get the NFR animals or buy the high dollar animals because he was just starting out with his company. He didn't have a whole lot of money. And uh, so it worked. Um, fast forward from there, we had the opportunity to buy the Harper Morgan rodeo company so we did that and i i got teddy bear and uh, a couple other animals of james's he had four animals go that far and i i got those and me and scotty went out there met with james um bought the company got stace involved so it was the three of us and we called it harper morgan and car for a couple of years um and so i kept buying kept you know all that stuff during the process and then you know, eventually when you get three guys that are, you know, A-plus personalities, everybody's wants to go their different direction, and that's what happened. And uh, then I really started accelerating. I had to accelerate the the growth process quickly to kind of keep up to, to, to you know, get enough animals to actually put on an entire rodeo by myself because it was us three combining our animals at first. So it's pretty easy um, to light it up with all three of our best stuff but then when you you know when you're by yourself it obviously dilutes a little bit of your steam um so kind of going forward i end up from there buying a card from the prca starting car pro rodeo that i quickly bought the walls terry walls's card and company and then you know i ended up buying classic pro rodeo from scotty after that um so i just through, um, you know, acquisitions and, you know, just buying and raising animals, we grew exponentially over, you know, course of 10 years. 
is it I've always wondered um, from a stock contractor perspective, is it different building a horse herd than it is building a bull herd? Um, you know, there are a lot of guys that, you know, have, have taken on partners where one, one side of the company is a, is the horse guy and the other side of the company is the bull guy. Um, is it, you had the bull of the year last year, Bayou Bengal, your first ever bucking bull of the year. Is it is building the horse herd different than the, than the bull herd? You know, it's totally different. And, uh, you know, it's kind of whatever your passion is. Um, you know, my passion was horses at first. Um, I never really rode bulls. I got on a couple bulls just because I was broke for amount money. But, um, you know, I, I wasn't really a bull guy. Um, I think one time, uh, yeah, I went to a sale and, and bought maybe six or seven bulls at a sale in Fort Worth at Mr. Smith's. And, and, um, you know, I had no business even, I didn't even know what I was buying hmm. when I started, but, um, so it's totally different. The horse herd, you have to have a lot of patience because it's long-term, you know, it takes you a long time to kind of get the horses climatized, acclimated, get them big enough, you know, figure out the event they're in. You know, there's a lot of things with, with the horses that takes long time and they last a long time bulls are a little more instant gratification you know you, you buy them when they're three or four year olds you put them on the truck you know they're ready to go they've got really their their premium lifespan is in that four to six years um so it, it happens all pretty quick and you have to always be upgrading and moving them out and in and um you know it's a constant as opposed to the horse herd you you kind of get your plan, you get them all bred or you get them all bought and you have a plan and you have to wait several years to kind yeah. of see if it all works out. Um, so two different paths. The other thing though about horses is that they can be, geez, how long is big text bucked? Um, I mean, that horse was a horse of the year in 2010. Um, yeah. You, yeah, you, he's 20, 24 years old. Um, so yeah, he's 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 been going wild, and he's still, you know, he still bucks great today. Uh, we're probably going to retire him in San Angelo this year, um, just because, just because he doesn't owe me anything, and he's done his job. They didn't take him to the finals this year, which they probably probably uh, there's a couple rounds in there in the in the one or the two pins. They wish they had him, um, but. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's been a great horse buck for a long time, you know, and that's the deal. If you, if you take care of these horses and, you know, it's like treads on a tire, every time you buck them, you said, you know, uh, one of your treads come off. Um, so they only have so much tread, they only have so much life. So you have to, that's why our horses only work about a minute a year. We have, you know, matrix and spreadsheets that we look at on all the different rodeos which animals are going where and it's very strategic on when we buck them how long they're off how much time they rest because we, we they're so precious when you do get a animal that is that special you surely want to make sure they last yeah um the biggest rodeos that you have a chance to go to where you bring out all those superstars, does your blood still get pumping a little bit when you know that you've got a, a lineup of some of those horses that have been NFR selected that have been horse of the year award winners? Um, I know as a fan, I do. Uh, when I, when I see, 
the the kind of livestock that you can bring to a rodeo showing up in the bucker, bucking shoots, that's when I really get excited a lot of times about a rodeo. You know, I get I get excited at any rodeo now, but uh, just like we had our our rodeo, a lot of circuit guys, a lot of young guys. It was a two day rodeo first week of January, and we had twenty some bareback riders and thirty some hmm. bronc riders, and we we took uh, a set of young horses that never really even been anywhere. You know, we bucked them and we've kind of each around and and trained on them. But, um, you know, we didn't get one re-ride the whole weekend. Everything but great. You know, the guys enjoyed it. They were perfect for that caliber of contestants. So I get excited about the different levels and the depth that our program has become because of, you know, all the breeding and the, and the acquisitions and, and just the time in the program that you don't have the first five years you're, you're in the business. You know, you're scrambling just trying to buy something at a sale. And when you buy it, you pretty much has to go on the truck and, you know, because you don't have anything else. So um, it's nice to have depth and, and we have a lot of depth and um, that's, yeah, hats off to Billy and uh, Billy Jones, uh, you know, the ranch manager and the operation manager and all his take care of the livestock day in and day out. And, uh, they do a great job feeding them with supplements and everything else. And, uh, yeah, they, when they show up, they look good and they're ready to roll. You know, it's, it, you, you just kind of segued into a question I, I know I was going to ask you at some point, which is I've done a couple of interviews with you in your life, in our, the time that we've known each other, Pete, where I've asked you about the people around you and you wanted to go out of your way to talk about your crew. You just mentioned Billy Jones, but, uh, when you put on a rodeo, a lot of times you can bring the entire staff, the entire bunch with you. You know you're surrounded by people you're comfortable with. Talk about the people who have been around you, I think, for a long time in most cases. Yeah, we we arguably, you know, in my opinion, we have the best crew in rodeo. So, uh, you know, with Billy, he's the operation manager. He handles everything from the, the ground up at the ranch. You know, he sorts all the animals. He puts a stock list together. He's strategizing with me on where to buck things and when to buck things and and how to set pins and he's he's done it so much now he's doing a great job doing that when we get to the rodeo we have the guatneys so i got sandy secretary who's been secretary of the year i got john guatney who's been you know 77 time you know nfr <laughs> time event champ you know steer rope and shit Anything you can put on a rodeo title, John Guatney's probably has it. So, um, so he's he's the arena boss. He he runs everything. He oversees the time to bend in. He runs the bucket shoots. He keeps our production tight. He you know he knows production. He he's the VP at the NFR every year. He's an assistant to you know. Uh, the uh, the guys in charge and um so he's a great guy to have them then we just roll down from there we have you know guys like uh you know our bullfighters clay hager and bryce redo been with us forever and ever so they know the drill you know the uh justin guadney john cribs you know we just have ashton jones has come up and really become a key part of our team and he took bulls the other night to the bulls not out and 
in Fort Worth for two nights and flanked all the bulls, took them up there. So we've really done a lot of cross training and growing of our team too, as well. The word we're becoming such a, such a solid whole crew uh, that we can do several rodeos. We can do several things. You know, it, our operation has gotten to a point to where we have to have those key people. And right now, I feel like, you know, for the last five, seven years, we've had the best crew in the business, bar none, put them up against anybody in the business. There's a lot of great companies out there, but my people know we use the same people every rodeo. They know their job. They know their position. They know, I know their skill set. I know what they can handle and not handle. They know our committees. Our committees know them. It just makes for a, for a seamless operation. You mentioned rodeo committees, Pete. And, you know, I talked, I asked you a lot of questions about building a herd of livestock, um, which you have, you've done a lot with, and you spent a lot of money. And I want to ask you about, you know, a couple of those, those kinds of things that you've done in recent years in a minute. But it occurs to me that the other part of building a stock contracting company is getting people to hire you to bring those great horses and bulls to town. And especially in the early years, I mean, you're so established now, you know, places like Stephenville and San Angelo and, and taking stock to Houston and, and, and some of the other great rodeos you go to. You just mentioned the bull riding in Fort Worth last week. What was that like for you to get started, to get people to give you a chance with, with so many great stock contracting firms out there? Well, you know, it's like anything else when you start, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn to crawl, then you, then you learn to walk and then you start, you know, doing short marathons, and then long marathons. But, um, you know, it's, it's the same thing, you know, when, when you're just getting started, you're just lucky to, you know, take a gooseneck load of animals somewhere that somebody will even give you an opportunity to bring them. Um, and, and as you grow and progress and people get to know you and, you know, they know what kind of animals you have and, and it just, it just grows from there. Um, but it's, you know, it's just time the, the, the one thing the rodeo industry has taught me is patience and it's, and it's time, you know, you just have to be patient and I'm not a very patient person. Yeah. So it was very difficult for me on the front end of this to uh you know because i was pretty hard charging and you know i don't wait for my ship to come in i swim out to it kind of guy um so yeah it was tough to kind of let it you know let, let let it develop you made a major investment in a herd of horses was it two years ago at the nfr uh, you, you, you got together with high low pro rodeo company, bought several of their animals. I think high low was the only co- contractor involved a little bit, but, um, why do, that, that, that speaks to, I guess, really wanting to, to try to continue to make the herd better. Yeah, there's an opportunity there for sure. For me, you know, I had 10 horses at the national finals rodeo, um, there was a little bit more on the scenes going on there. Um, you know, the. Uh, the gentleman that owned Hollow at the time, he was wanting to get out. Dustin was wanting to buy it. You know, it, it, there was a lot going on, but the end result was we ended up with their 10 NFR horses and it enabled uh, the gentleman Van, Van um, to, to exit industry and it worked for him and it helped 
also Dustin to step up and become the owner of his company. Um, so it, it was, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that nobody really understood at the time, which I don't think they'd have any, I mean, I think it's all common knowledge now, but, um, so end result is there was an opportunity for me to, to have 10 NFR animals that have gone back that have, you know, half of them are mares, you know, we've already had colts on them tiger warrior colts that calgary bred to them so there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on there looking in the future looking in the present um trying to take another step um credibility wise and get to that top notch so um that's what i'm always striving for just want to be better yeah. just can't you know just not going to be complacent and sit around and just you know let everything get old and and tarnish um, got to keep it new, got to keep it fresh and got to keep improving. You know, it's, it, I, I, you and I have a very close common friend in Jeff Metters and I sent Jeff a note this morning. I said, I'm going to talk to Pete Carr today. And he said, keep this in mind when you talk to Pete, he's a perfectionist. Is that the way you think of yourself? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I am. Um, you know, I'm, I'm my biggest critic and I'm, I, yeah, I'm hard on myself and, you know, I, I want everything perfect and nothing's ever. Yeah. So that's just me and yeah. I know it. And, um, uh, the people that work for me know it, you know, I've gotten better over the years, you know, I've matured, I've, you know, gotten wiser, figured out how to handle it better and, uh, deal with it. But, um, trying to smell a little bit of the roses as I go down the road. <laughs> yeah, which is that's a tough thing to do in this business. It's I, I have criticized myself a lot all the years that I've been announcing and driving from town to town and doing all those things. And I look back on it now and I think to myself, you know, I wish you would have stopped a little bit more in a couple of those wide spots in the road and taken a look around. Um, it is tough to, to stop and smell the roses sometimes in this business, I think. It is. And uh, fortunately, I'm at a place now to where with the crew that I mentioned and the team that, that, that has surrounded me and it's given me the opportunity to do a little of that. Um, so I appreciate them. I appreciate everything they do for me. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, if it wasn't for them, I couldn't, I'd be out there driving a truck and, um, sorting myself and trying to get there. Yeah. Okay. So one more note from Metters. Leave it to Jeff to find the Oklahoma State University connection somewhere. Um, his stepdaughter is going to OSU. Ask him about how she's killing it in barrel racing in rodeo. <laughs> well, she's 17. Um, she's had a lot of success. And uh, so we're, we're, we're extremely proud of her. And she is going to OSU. She wants to be a vet. Um, she's smart. Um, and she's driven, so there's no doubt that she will do well there in both uh, on the rodeo team and in school. Yeah. Let me ask you, before I let you go, Pete, um, can I ask you your favorite kid question? Is there, are there, of all the animals you've had, I, I, I think I've said this publicly, I love to watch Dirty Jacket Buck. I, I, the, the way that that horse, that big, rare out of the bucking shoots and some of the things that horse has accomplished. I love watching that horse buck. Are there one or two that you look at and you just want to run to the fence and watch them every time? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, of course, when I started, of course, you know, Riverboat Annie was the one that you'd run up and watch. And then, you know, uh, Deuce's Night come along and then Dirty Jacket come along, you know. And, of course, Big Tex has been phenomenal all through the years. So there's always, uh, there's always kind of a star, you know. It just, fortunately for me, there's a lot of them and they keep rotating. And that's what keeps us fresh and uh, current. Yeah, but uh, no, a lot of a lot of great animals. Uh, we've been blessed with, uh, you know, time in the business and stumbling. You know, I bought Dirty Jackal, and Dirty Jackal was a two-year-old, and I and I watched the horse buck with a dummy on it at Jim Zinzer's ranch. And that day, I bought Dirty Jacket out of sight, Deuce's Night, and yeah, they're three three world champions. And if you put the value of everything I spent for, I spent <laughs> so it's things have changed a lot in the in in the uh, flat animal flesh industry. So yeah. things are a little bit more spendier, and uh, which is good. You know, we're getting money into the industry, and that comes a lot from everything that's going on out there, and a lot of great things. Uh, are moving in our industry in the and in the right direction. So a lot of good interest, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. There was a small connectivity issue at a horrible time there, Pete, when you were talking about the value of those three horses. Repeat what you said there, because we didn't really get to hear uh, what you were talking about in terms of uh, those those horses. To me, would be priceless. And you, you were talking about the value of yeah. at that moment. We had a drop. <laughs> Yeah, and the you know the funny thing, and they were all two, three year olds, and they all had dummy colts on them, and uh, or uh, dummies on those colts, and and the price that I paid for all of them, I probably couldn't even put a set of tires on my car for now. So <laughs> yeah, the, the, everything's changed quite a bit in the horse industry. If you've been to the NFR uh, Buck and Horse Sale at the South Point, um, you can um, you can you can spend a lot on a young horse. Yeah. Um, Pete Carr is joining us. Pete, before I let you go, you got a phone call recently. I'm not sure when in the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame saying, uh, clear your calendar. We got a day. We want you to come join us in Fort Worth and we'd like to put you in this hall. What was your reaction to that phone call? You know, I was pretty blown away. Uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, that's just not something, you know, I'm still, you know, I still feel like I'm 40, even though I'm, you know, my birthday, I'll be 62 next week you're but, just a kid um, i still feel super young so i don't feel you know i can remember uh when my mom told me she was 40 and i thought she was old and i was like 15 or whatever um so uh it, it just doesn't really you don't expect any of that when you start doing what you do whatever industry you're in and so to get that call was extremely humbling and i was honored to to have been selected more so for dirty jacket because dirty jacket got uh inducted he's being inducted to in the horse category or the animal category so i I was kind of more excited about him than me (laughs) but um you know that's gonna be a very very special day uh to get up there and accept uh that induction for him and for me so i i thank everybody that thought of us and voted for us and um i I appreciate everything that we get and you know i I personally give all all my uh glory to god for everything that that's happened to me there's there's just 
no way I should even be where I'm at today. So uh, it's just a testament to how good our God is. Yeah, that's a great way to wrap this up. Uh, You've got a busy schedule coming up, I'm sure. Yeah, we do. Um, You know, we were... We did the San Antonio qualifier. We had our first rodeo, and then we're in Fort Worth last week. We're in Fort Worth last night. We're in Fort Worth tonight. And then we just keep rolling and then on to, uh, you know, we've got Bay City and a couple other rodeos here in Texas. Then we head off for, you know, three weeks to San Angelo. And then we really don't stop till we get done with Oakley after the 4th. Pete Carr, Pete Carr Pro Rodeos, going to be busy. You'll see his animals all over the place, and you'll see a bunch of them in December at the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Pete, congratulations on the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. There's a part of me that thinks that that won't be the last time you get one of those phone calls. I just have this funny (laughs) feeling that uh, there might be a couple more of those between the great animals um, and – and and the success you've had, I've got a funny feeling you might get a phone call or two more like that in your in your life before it's done. And I appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you to Pete Carr. Always a pleasure. The Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame induction, rodeo reunion, and induction ceremonies, April 25th through 27th. And that will take place in Fort Worth, Texas. Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. Dot com is the website. You can check us out at 8secondsmedia.com. Thank you for listening to the Steve Kenyon Podcast, brought to you by Wrangler, by the Justin Boot Company, by Resistall, by Preford, by the Grandview at Las Vegas, by M2 Ranch Jerky, and by our good friends at Unbeatable Feeds. Check out the Unbeatable Feeds website for a location near you. We'll do it all over again next week. By the way, if you're in Northern California, I'm headed to Red Bluff for the Bull and Gelding Sale this weekend. Big bull riding on Saturday night that will wrap up the Bull and Gelding Sale. We'll share a lot about that on our 8 Seconds Media Facebook page. God bless everybody. I'm Steve Kenyon. Thanks for listening.